This is Humans of Non-League, a podcast about the people who live and love football outside the spotlight. My name is Chris Nee, and this week's Human is a third-generation volunteer at one of London's best-loved football clubs. Andre Perkins is the long-serving communications manager at Walthamstow, a role that encompasses the matchday programme, working with media, overseeing photography, and looking after the club website. And, as we're about to discover, that barely scrapes the surface. Andre, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Nice to meet you. Thank you very much for joining. I've wanted to talk to you for the longest time for reasons that we'll get onto. Um, but anyone who's arrived here from social media will have seen your name, which seems the perfect place to start. Is it right to assume that it tells us something about your background? Uh, so I was born in Leytonstone in East London. That's where my dad was born. But my mum was came from France, um, so I've got a bit of French background as well. Uh, but yeah, just ha- lived around East London all my life, really. Just moved around Leytonstone, once did. Uh, I'm now in Woodford, so I'm, I'm moving ever so slightly eastwards out to Essex. But uh, no matter who asks, I still say we're in East London, <laughs> just about. We've got a bit of a commute to the football nowadays, then. Yeah, it's, it's not too far. It's, <laughs> I, I can walk it to pick up the car in, on a Sunday morning. So. <laughs> I lived in Walthamstow for a little while, about 15 years ago. And it felt then as if um, it was undergoing the beginnings of some quite significant social change. Has all that come to fruition now? I think it has. I think it's it seems to have come come around full circle. I think even before I was born, so that part of what I do now, I look at the, you know the old programs and old newspaper articles, and in the well in the 1950s we were getting a hundred thousand when we played at Wembley, but then it decreased and towards the you know late 80s early 90s we were getting attendances of two or three hundred some weeks as the the demographics of the area changed just a lot of people moved out so we saw our attendances go right down while these clubs further out into Essex and East Anglia they're the areas we know that their attendances have gone really up but as you say Walthamstow has changed a lot and especially over the last two three four years our attendances have skyrocketed i think there's a lot more people with a bit more disposable income maybe or people who who aren't originally from london but who have got an interest in football and we're their local team so they've come to start supporting us did you play football as a kid (laughs) very very badly i think i uh i played for my primary school in goal and then i think only because i was about a foot taller than everyone else (laughs) But uh, after that, no, it went downhill very quickly. I was, I was never the most gifted footballer, but I, I always loved football. It's I, I played as much as I could. You know, I was, I was always watching it on telly, but sadly, it never never made me any better. Did you support a professional club at any point in your childhood? Uh, I, well, I still do say I support Arsenal, but I've, I think and said that I've only been never went to Highbury, been to the Emirates once. So it's a bit of a long distance uh, support. I've got very few memories of supporting Arsenal and I've got quite a few of supporting Wolves. So I remember the 98 FA Cup final. That's my earliest Arsenal memory. But this, I think a lot of it was, you know, when you're a kid at school and people ask who you support, it doesn't always go down well saying you, you support a non-league team. So I had to have a, a professional team there to, you know, to keep a bit of credibility. <laughs> 
it takes some explanation sometimes, doesn't it? It's, I, I can't get through the name of my team without people feeling sorry for me supporting Coventry <laughs> City. I don't support Coventry City. You just didn't let me finish. Arsenal's an interesting shout because, I, as I said, I lived um, locally for a time. Who would you say the people of Walthamstow support, by and large? I've never really thought. I think that at our ground, we've got a load of five-a-side pitches um, and that the kids there, are, they're wearing all sorts of shirts. It, you know, there's Man United, Chelsea, Arsenal... And there's a lot of there's a lot of Barcelona, Real Madrid, but I, I wouldn't have said that there's any one team in Walthamstow, even though Spurs, Tottenham, West Ham are all really close to us. There's not one that stands out, I don't think. The Perkins connection with Walthamstow, the football club, in its various guises, goes back all the way to your granddad, who was on the committee. Yeah, so yeah, started off with my granddad. Uh, I'm not sure, not too sure how involved he was but you know as growing up I've heard stories of of him and you know, in fact he was a, a very mild-mannered man apparently I, he died before I was you know old enough to know him well but uh, I think someone told me a story once that he, he chucked a bucket of ice over a referee or something <laughs> he never ever raised his voice or anything like that but just one day it, it got to him and uh, I think it's the same with my dad so he he's and me as well. We're very mild-mannered, but the only time I ever saw him shout as a kid was at referees and at players on a Saturday. <laughs> so he followed in my, my granddad's footsteps and uh, he was secretary, I think, from uh, the late 80s. And he's been doing that since then and he's, he's been chairman as well. And uh, I think, yeah, I didn't really have much chance. I think I was always going to be involved. My little brother managed to get away with it. He comes about once a season. I don't know how he managed that. <laughs> What's he doing with his time? I know, right? He went to watch Leighton Orient for a bit, but that was it. <laughs> so you must have been knocking around the place a lot more than the average young supporter. You were part of the furniture before you were five years old, surely? As my mum was happy to get me out of the house, probably. But uh, apparently I saw my first game when I was you know, still a kid, uh, still a baby, just a few months old. And I think from... I can remember being like really sort of five, six, seven. I can remember being at the ground, but I, I can't remember any games or anything like that. It's, it probably took till I was about 10 or 11 until I really started going most weeks. And I don't didn't think it at the time, but I think it was uh, been 2001 or two in the FA Vars. We played uh, Mildenhall, I think it was, who beat us after extra time. My keeper went off injured. And I can remember being disappointed. I, I remember thinking, we're going to win the FA Vars. You know, we've won two. <laughs> I think it was about the second or third round or something. Uh, but we, I think we won about 6-1 in the last round. I thought, this is it. We, You know, everyone's our level. We can win this thing. And we, we were nowhere near as good as any of these other teams. But looking back now, I can see that was the first disappointment, the first time I realised that it actually meant something. So, yeah, since then, about 10 or 11, I've been going almost every week it's quite some game i've seen must be hundreds if not thousands of games given your various responsibilities around the place do you prefer away games <laughs> yeah i think so i think so it's uh when it was when it was a lot quieter when we were only getting you know attendances of about 40 or 50 the home games are pretty straightforward but now that we get 250 300 it, it is very busy so i'll get there you know, half 12, and I'm on the turnstiles and everyone with team sheets pumping up footballs, sometimes 
getting the kit, taking that to the laundrette, somehow taking photos at the same time, running the club shop bit on the side. And Do you ever get pulled into secretary jobs as well? Sounds like the kind of thing that might be on your plate eventually. Yeah, I, <laughs> when, when dad goes on holiday, he seems to time a lot of his holidays right in the middle of the season at the moment. <laughs> so I get roped into some of those. But it's rewarding now that we're winning. Not that it wasn't when we weren't doing so well, but when a club's struggling, it becomes a bit of a chore, but you think we've been going for 150 years. This can't stop because we're getting a bit bored or we're getting tired of losing. We can see how these things go in cycles. So you'll be rubbish for 5, 10, 50 years, and then things pick up again. And it's, it's those times when it picks up that I think makes it all worthwhile. This is our current period now is the first time that in my memory that we're, we're having that sustained success. But I know people in the past have lived through the, the glory days and it's that's why they keep coming. We've got supporters who travel up from Hampshire and all over the, the country. Some of them are quite old now, but they still manage to come every week. And it, I think they, it's partly, they do it out of a, they feel it's a duty, but they've got all that, all those memories behind them that thinks, right, I'm going to, I'm going to keep doing this <laughs> until I die. We as volunteers at clubs, I do some similar roles to you, not all of them by any means, but some of them. <laughs> it's not so much about the result necessarily as the fact that we have this custodianship role, which is, you know, that, without wanting to toot our own horn too much as volunteers, without the people like us, the clubs are going to struggle. And there are people who really care very deeply about those clubs and a lot of history behind them. I definitely want to talk to you about Walthamstow's history. But firstly, I want to dip into to your experience at the club a little bit more. If I pushed you for a first memory or few memories of being around the club, what would you pick out? Because you're way too early to remember the initial first phase. Yeah. So we, we, we switched grounds in 1995. We we were late and we merged with Walthamstow Pennant to become late and Pennant. And I, I can remember being at the first game there. So I'd have been six or seven. And... Never, never watching the actual game. As you know, as a kid, you find someone's got football, and you find some other kids, and you have a kick around. There, that's probably my my earliest memory. And there's these little bits here and there. So I could, there's one I remember being up in the clubhouse, and we had this weird scratch card machine, and one of our players gave me one of the scratch cards, and it, it's things like that that, that stick in the mind uh, that have nothing to do with the football, nothing to do with the game. What does it mean to you to have the club as such a big part of your family? It means I get to see my dad every week. It's one of the things that uh, keeps us quite close together because we we're not great talkers, the men in our family. <laughs> and I think a lot of a lot of families are like that. With on the male side, they, you know, you never talk about your feelings or anything like that. But you you see each other. You have that common thread in the football that no matter what is happening, that always brings you back together. And to, to have that every week is something that we, we both really look forward to. And it, it, yeah, it keeps us close together. The club's history goes back as far as the 1860s, but it's not a straight line, is it? Why don't you give us a bit of a potted history of Walthamstow <laughs> and how it came to be? There's the actual um, books written on the subject, I think. <laughs> but I think from the, from yeah, as you say, from the 1860s, the club, started and folded and you know went through about three or four different entities but throughout all those there was a a common thread of people I think which is why we claim 
our history going back to that time. So we got through to the 1950s, 1960s. We were playing in the FA Amateur Cup finals. So I think they were the, the real heydays. We were playing at Wembley. And then towards the 70s, 80s and 90s, we, we really struggled, I think. Someone older than me will be able to explain it better, but it's the same story. The crowds go down, um, the level of playing goes down, and it, it's just a, a cycle. So it got to the point where 1995, we merged with Welcome to Pennant to become Lane Pennant in the hope that two fairly well-established East London clubs coming together would be able to sustain us for a bit longer. I think a lot of it was to do with just keeping the club going. And it, it worked for 20-odd years, I think, to about 2015, when every three or four years we had a crisis where a chairman would leave and we were scrabbling around for money. But there was always someone there to chuck an extra couple of grand to keep the club going. I think, as we said, a club at our level can mean so much to people that they have that, they feel it's a duty and that they have that um, love for the club that they will chuck a bit of money in. Apparently some, there was one man who remortgaged his house without telling his wife to keep us going at one point. (laughs) And uh, so there's been periods of real struggle. And in 2017, I think by this time we were Wolfen Forest and uh, our chairman uh, sadly died and it really looked like it was it was going to be the end because we we wanted to as volunteers we wanted to keep the club going but we haven't got the sort of money to keep a, a non-league team going and there's the option of playing you know going right down to park football but is it the same for a club that was once playing at Wembley to now be playing in parks is it would you carry that on but we were lucky a few years ago to to find another new owner who's it was his idea to change the name to Walthamstow and that's really turned things around because as Waltham Forest, the, the thinking behind that name change, I think it's probably our eighth or ninth name change in our history, was that Waltham Forest is such a big area. If we change our name to that, it, we've got that bigger catchment. But in reality, it was the opposite because no one really, if you ask people where they live, no one says, I live in the borough of Waltham mm. Forest. They say, I live in Leighton or Walthamstow or wherever it is. So by, by changing the name to Walthamstow, we got that, the local, this is, we're representing this part of London. It happens to be a part where people are, are interested in doing things locally now and supporting local businesses, supporting local teams. So it's the last two or three years has, has really been beyond our imagination, beyond our dreams. So not only the crowds we're getting, but the, the attention we're getting from the media and it's these people have heard of us there's been a couple of times in the last couple of years i've just been speaking to a friend of a friend in the pub and they'll have heard of the Walthamstow football club and you think bloody hell that's something something good must be happening we must be doing something right if we can get our name out and you know get more people involved it seems evident that the club is growing as Walthamstow is changing and as the, the name change as as i can confirm as a former former resident of the area <laughs> Waltham Forest was something that maybe slightly subconsciously put me off finding out what it was all about. I was following a Premier League team away in London in those years anyway. But I was tempted by trying out some some more local football. And the closest I ever got when I was just following Villa around was, um, was Leighton Orient. And actually, probably 
if it had been called Walthamstow at the time I was living in Walthamstow, I probably would have given it a go. So it seems like a very logical change, but it's obviously a very powerful thing as well. But things are changing even more in the last 12 months than, than ever before, probably in the club's history. How's the last year been for the club with doors closed, games happening, not happening? It's been, it's been strange. It's There's been a lot of not knowing whether we're coming or going. The, the thing is at the end of last season we were we were second in the league we had games in hand on the top team we were fighting for promotion and for that if if it went to points per game we'd have got promoted we think so for that to be cut so short was a bit of a kick in the teeth it's you could go in quite on for ages about the, the decision behind it and what the FA should have done and what they shouldn't have done but that's where we are and it the same things happened again now. We've, we've started really well this season. Um, again, points per game puts the second in the league. But it looks like this season might might not finish just like the last one did. But having said that, we've, we've got to take the positives. Um, and I, I mentioned it before, but our attendances have it's just been incredible to see so many new faces. But then the same faces come back week after week. People bring in their kids and saying, what a great time they're having. It helps that we're winning. But I think as volunteers, what we try to do is just make it as welcoming and as easy for people to to have a good time as, as possible. It's been quite a roller coaster for the last year. And at the opposite end of the spectrum, tell me a little bit about the best Walthamstow team you've ever seen. I think the one we've got at the moment would be up there. That's pretty um, good news. But yeah, it's. Uh, I think for, for me about... 2006-7 was one of the ones I remember the most. We'd just gone through a period of having a chairman who was putting a lot of money into the club and we were signing like real non-league names, people who'd been around the block. Um, and I, was, I was too young to know what they were being paid at the time, but it was definitely too much <laughs> for, for the way they were playing. There was a lot of them towards coming towards the end of their career and you could see that they were just coming to pick up their wages. And now when I do some of the programme stuff, I look back at some of the players there and they're there the entire season, but only playing a few games and coming back from injury and getting injured again. And I think, yeah, we all know what you're up to here. So about, yeah, 2006, we had a, another new chairman and he brought in a, a manager. And all the players were really local. So they were Leighton, Leightonstone, Chingford, Walthamstone. There was a, a piece in the paper saying they were all from a you know, two-mile radius of the ground. And they weren't the best team, but you could see they had that team spirit. They had that togetherness. A lot of them had gone to school together and they were just so hard to beat. The, the chairman, who said it, he's also died. Um, he always said, you start with a point. And they were so defensive. And we just nick a goal on the break. We nick a 2-0 here or there. And, but they, they were so, it was such a, a well-structured team and it was the same 11 every week. We finished just outside the playoffs because we lost the first four games. I think that, that was probably the, the, the best team I can remember, except for the way we're playing now. Watching from afar, it seems that the team that's being built at the moment, you've been able to bring some old names back into the club. Is that a function of the fact that you've been getting more through the gate and you're able to kind of reclaim some players who might have gone elsewhere? I think there's that, yeah. It's, um, the getting people through the gate definitely helps, but I think a lot of what we're doing and we want to treat players well and look after them, not always in a financial sense, 
just making sure that if they need a bit of help, we can we can help them. It, it, I think a lot of that is treating them well and people enjoying the support of the club. They're more inclined to come back, even if it does mean dropping down a level or two or, or taking a bit of a pay cut. It, you can see the players enjoy playing at Wolfenstein at the moment because of the crowd, because of it is a local club to a lot of them. And uh, we like to look after them, I think. There must be players that you've known since you were in short trousers. <laughs> I think and it's, uh, we've got one, Michael Tono. I can remember him. For, he played for us about, was he 2000 and, he played for us about 2008. So that's 13 years ago. It's probably showing how old he is rather than me. Yeah. It's funny, especially in, in East London, you could just the names go round and round. So you'll look at, you know, on Twitter before the game, you can see everyone's, all the other teams, uh, team sheets. You think he played for us, he played for us. He was with us as a kid. And it, it's just the same names. They just move around between clubs. Nice to keep it local. <laughs> yeah. What is it that you think that you and me and everybody else loves about non-league football? I think having never you know, probably been to, to Premiership football, I've been to the odd game here or there, but it's it's just at non-league, it's so it's so close to to the action. It's so much more laid back. You could turn up if you want to, like five minutes before kickoff, you can bring a beer into the ground. On a personal level, you feel more connected to the players. There's been some in the past that I've worked with while they're playing for the team. So it's you think, okay, you're not that different from me. You're you're a lot better footballer than I am. But we lead quite similar lives, and I think that's what people people enjoy that. And then there's the, the camaraderie in the crowd and getting to know people over the course of a season or the course of a few seasons. You could you make really good friendships and. It's funny seeing the different groups of supporters behind the goal and then they start mingling and then, you know, after a year, a lot more people know each other and it's just a real laugh in the league. It's, the, the quality of football is a lot better than people expect, I think, but the, I think there's so much that goes on that makes us pull out our hair sometimes, that, but it's why we love non-league. Like we had a game it's probably a couple of months ago where we turned up and there was no pitch markings on the pitch. And, you know, at the time, you're a bit pissed off. And then some bloke comes out with a spray can and he starts doing the line and then he realises there's none left. And I think someone went to B&Q to buy some paint at one point. And it, we're there thinking, we just want to get this game played. It was freezing as well. I remember this. This is a, a relatively local game, isn't it, where there was more to the situation than met the eye. Yeah. Yes, that's right. But it's, you, at the time, you think, Jesus Christ, what is going on? But you look back and it, it's just such a laugh, isn't it? You wouldn't get that in a Premier League. And, you know, we've had t- teams turn up in the same colour kit as us. And because it doesn't matter as much as there's not millions of pounds riding on it, is no one's that involved that they're going to get really angry about it. You take it on the chin a bit and you have a laugh about it. Especially the players as well. They're there, most of them. They're at their level, but they want to have a laugh playing it. It just seems everyone's there with a positive factor and they're there for the right reasons because they want to watch some football and have a good time, really. I always think football clubs have their own identities, each one different from the next. What is the character of Walthamstow as a football club? If you asked me a couple of years ago, it would have just been shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, I don't know. I think we, we've always tried to play football and when you haven't got the players to do that, 
in our league, it, it can be very difficult, especially stereotyping here. But when we go out to play in Essex and everyone's six foot three and above and we're trying to play football and it so many times in my time watching the club, we just see us get kicked off the park by people who are bigger than us and not necessarily better footballers, but they knew what what you had to do to play in non-league and what you had to do to win. So we've had teams probably five or six years ago. I can remember we were all watching them pre-season. We've got AstroTurf training. These lads are good. These They were all um, Tottenham scholarship uh, dropouts. or They had something to do with Spurs anyway. Yeah, they, these lads, they're only 19, 20, but they, they're really not bad. And then as soon as we went out, I think we played uh, Southend Manor on the first day of the season. So going out into Essex, they just got kicked off the park. <laughs> a lot of the time at our level, you, you can't play football. I think now we've got the right balance. We've got the old experienced heads who know what non-league football is about, but they know how to, this one's in there, you know how to play a bit as well. So we've got that, that balance now. There's definitely a place for big diags into the corners, isn't there? And it works quite a lot <laughs> yeah. at most of our sort of levels. Um, is it a difficult place for referees to come? Uh, I, I wouldn't say difficult. I mean, no one's ever on the referee's back. It's, there's never, even as our crowds have gone up, there's never been abuse at the referee. There's been shouting at the referee. You, you get that most places, but it, it's good natured and it's it's always it seems to be done with humour. But having said that, there has been a lot of decisions that have gone our way that shouldn't have. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think if I because uh, a couple of years ago we needed a win to stay up on the last day of the season, and we got a, a penalty in the, the first half, and it, it just wasn't a penalty. It was a massive dive. The, the fellow got up and was just laughing with the supporters. <laughs> You can see how easily they get swayed. And for years, it was us going to places with bigger crowds and we were on the receiving end of it. But it seems to have turned around a bit now. It, it is funny. There's so many times you're just looking at each other laughing, thinking, how, how's that gone our way? If I'm not mistaken, Walthamstow is one of the clubs that has a self-appointed supporters section. The Rabble? Yes. Yes, there we go. <laughs> I knew it was in there somewhere. <laughs> the Rabble, yeah. What are they like? They're a, they're a great bunch. I think it was it was one one or two of them started coming as as uh, a lot of people do. They they just watch from watch from a safe distance. And speaking to them, they said, uh, "Right, we're, we're going to get this is when we were facing this relegation battle about two or three years ago. We're going to get stuck in. We're going to have a few beers. We're going to have a bit of a sing, and it it kind of snowballed from there. It's, I, I'll have to dig it up. There's a picture." of one of the, a game where we, I think we were 4-1 down with about three minutes to go and we drew four all. Wow. And there's only, I think it's eight or nine of us there, but ended up falling over the barrier and but causing a bit of a scene. <laughs> it, it's amazing how just getting three or four people and they bring a mate and then their mate brings a mate and it really snowballs to the point where, yeah, the, the supporters are now known as the rabble and it's, it's, it's a really good thing to have and it's, their support is always really behind the team, good-natured, just there to have a laugh and not taking themselves too seriously. Friendly with opposition goalkeepers, I imagine. Yeah. The funny thing is, now that there's a few people behind the goal, everyone's having a, a bit of a, a nibble with the goalkeepers. And you can see the ones where it, it gets to them, where they're like, no, I'm not going to reply. I'm not going to get involved. 
and it just it gets worse and worse as the game goes on but the ones who you know a bit more about what's going on, he'll turn around and have a laugh with them. The goalkeeper's won straight away. You're now the club's communications manager, which we'll definitely come on to shortly, but I understand you've done more or less everything. You've listed a few of them already, but turnstile, youth coaching. Yeah, I managed the under-18s for a season. How was that? It was difficult. That we had the, the players were good enough, but we lost our goalkeeper to the reserve team day before the season started and we weren't able to find a new one basically so we picked up results but I was only 18 at the time as well so I was playing in goal okay. trying to manage a team as well it, it was a challenge um, we did okay in the league but I then I went off to uni and I thought no I can't be doing this I've got to take a bit of a step back but I've done that I've, I've been physio every now and then <laughs> right I've done videos program yeah pretty much every thing you can think of washing the kit but uh, I'm not allowed to do that anymore um, I got told off by my girlfriend for letting it all dry in the house so I have to take it to the laundry <laughs> in fairness it, it did smell quite bad I bet it did I bet it did where did you go to university uh, Leicester did you watch any football while you were there I did I was um, I was watching OB Town so okay uh, step five same level as uh, Wolfenstone and uh, I think it must have some sort of curse because while I was up there, they were absolutely awful. And then as soon as I left, someone started chucking a load of money at them and I think they lost about two games in two years. You keep an eye on them now? Yeah, I, I think they're, they're struggling again at the moment. I'm not, not too sure what's going on up there, but it's. Uh, I do always keep an eye out for the result. And I've been up to see them a couple of times since I left uni. I think one game they were 2-1 down with a minute to go and this, people text me and say, come on, we're in the pub, come and meet us. So I left and they won 3-2 and I missed the two goals, <laughs> obviously. Always happens to us a few times in our lifetime, that does. Yeah. Um, back to Walthamstow, you're going to be chairman someday, aren't you? <laughs> if I win the lottery, I'll do it. <laughs> Is that part of the prerequisite of, of being the chairman now? Because you know the clubs I've been around, it was a, a nominated representative really because the clubs weren't really money-making operations anyway. Is it somebody who needs to be really in charge of the purse strings now? I think it depends. If you ask my dad, who's chairman now, it's hard. You're hard to get a pint out of him at the bar. So <laughs> he, he's definitely not pulling the first strings. But I think it's a, a job for someone who's got a bit more time on their hands than me. <laughs> yeah, when when I'm retired, I think uh, I won't have any choice. Then I'll have to end up doing it. Now, if if you're listening to this and you haven't been aware of Andre before, something you need to know about him is that Walthamstow's program is arguably the best anywhere in non-league. What are you aiming for when you pull one of those beauties together? I don't know. I think it, uh, I do um, graphic design and communications and everything for a living. So, But I taught myself through doing the Walthamstow programme. So I think I did my first one in 2005. Oh. So 16 years of 30 programmes a season. <laughs> so <laughs> it's, uh, it has been tough, but it's it, we've gone through ups and downs and... A couple of seasons ago, I was not well, I was probably about five, six years ago, I was putting together two or three pages just to meet the minimum requirement. And I thought, do you know what? We, we're rubbish on the pitch. At least we can do something right, something that I actually have control over. I could I could put a decent program together. I know how to do it. So it's gone on from there. So upped it to 20 pages to 28. And I think we're now at about 40 pages this season. I think it. It's not an ego boost, but hearing people say nice things about it, it makes it worthwhile. And 
we have ground hoppers come along every now and then and say, I'm here just because of your program. When people say that, I think that's, that's really, well, it's really good of them to say it, but it's really appreciated because it shows we're doing something right and it shows that all those hours put into it aren't to waste. I'm lucky I've got a few contributors who, who are very good as well, so it's not all me writing it anymore. But um, it's, yeah, it's something that I'm very proud of and I think the club are very proud of as well. Are those reliable contributors? Where do you get 40 pages of content from? <laughs> I think I do a lot during the off season. I think uh, during the last lockdown, I wrote a lot just to to have, and then I was just almost about to run out, and then we've gone into this lockdown again. But um, they, yeah, they're, they're very every week they'll come up with something. Um, they, they've all got their own little section. So we one we have one person who looks at one of our classic programs from over the years, and we've got uh, the beer hunter who who looks at our next away games and sees what pubs are worth going to near the ground and just just things like that that I think make our program a bit unique I never want to look at other people's programs in non-league and say that, that that's that's rubbish or why are you feeling like that because I know how hard it is and for a lot of people I'm, I'm lucky to have the skills to be able to do a program but a lot of clubs don't have that person and it's just one more job for someone to do so it's it's never I don't think a case of saying our program is better than yours. It's just something that we can take a lot of pride in. I think at the moment it helps that we've got a local printer who sponsors us as well and prints the program for free. I think once <laughs> once I got that sorted, I think right, that's it. I can really really crack on now. Yeah, because before we printed it at home, so it was trying to keep the pictures small and keep it just black and white to save on toner. But now we've got someone printing it, I can just go hell for leather on it. <laughs> Yeah, as the editor of a Step 5 program can confirm that you need that kind of support locally. It really yeah, helps. Yeah, that, uh, I think that's the best thing that's happened to the club in about 20 years. <laughs> Wait, who's, which is the contributor who is always leaving you with a blank page five minutes before a deadline? Uh, I, I've got to say that they're all really good. Normally they're chasing me. <laughs> it's... it's uh, there's been quite a few times where I forgot that we've got a home game coming up and suddenly I start receiving all these articles where I'm like, ah, better crack on with that. <laughs> so they're all, they're all really good. I was, I, I'll dig out our manager, Max Mitchell. He's always the last minute <laughs> getting his notes across. Yeah, I tend not to bother with that bit. That's, I, I learned when I was at Tooting that that bit was always going to be the difficult bit. I had some input from a previous manager at my more local club now. But generally, I just don't want to put them through it because I, I ended up <laughs> writing them, which is you know fine as long as you get some input. I don't mind that, but making it up and they just sign it off—that's tough. Yeah, that's, we've had a few like that, but we're lucky. The last few managers have been quite—they uh, want to get their point across. <laughs> yeah, that's always good. When when I've had at Coventry Sphinx, we we had a manager who did want his comments in there, and he was always forthcoming, which was which was fantastic. But if they don't want to do it, I'm not going to force them to. I'll put something else there. <laughs> My notes, there we go. I'll have my say. <laughs> um, you do a lot of wider communications work at the club as well. What does a, a typical match day, match weekend look like for you? I think bringing everything together. So I do the, the match day uh, tweets, um, you know, all our social media stuff. So it's, it's getting all the, the graphics prepared before that. We did consider dabbling in you know, the, the player celebration gifts. And it, it, it was a good idea at the start of the season, but... 
I said to the manager, you know, half of these players who are here now won't be starting your first game and then the other half won't be here by the end of the season. It's next to impossible so, at our level even to get a team photo, isn't it? Yeah. By the time you've taken it, it's out of date. So it's so we, we knock that sort of stuff on the head, but we do little graphics. And uh, I'm lucky I've got... Um, there's a, we've got a lad called Darren who does all the, the interviews and the match reports. And uh, we've got another lad, Nathan, who does all our videos. So between us three... We've got almost every base covered, so I take some photos and then depends where we're playing, who we're playing, and then we take about 10 and then have a few beers. <laughs> so, and I think it's, I have sometimes have to stop myself and take a bit of a step back because there's so much more we can do because there's youth teams and reserve teams and you could go and do interviews with their managers or you can go and watch one of the youth teams on a Sunday morning. And it's The temptation's always there, but it have to have a bit of a life as well so sometimes i have to take a bit of a step back make sure i can do some other stuff in my time do you get much support from local media no um and that's not i'm not blaming them um we've we've got one local paper who in the probably the last well i'd say up until about the the mid 2000s they they'd send a reporter down to every game and a photographer but they're their circulation just isn't big enough to justify that anymore. I think they've got one um, sports reporter who does, uh, you know, all the local papers in the area, and they just cover West Ham and Spurs and Leighton Orient now. That's I don't, I don't blame them because they've got to do what they can do to survive. But what we have seen is more, of, especially around Walthamstow, is local radio stations, independent publications that are, are springing up, and they are more interested. It's those that are probably. In fact, landing with our the demographic that we're targeting or the, the local people, they're a lot more likely to read that than the local Guardian, which is the, the paper which has been struggling. So it's while the, the you know the mainstream press has gone down, it's the, the local independents have, have started to support us, which is really good as well. And what does that entail? Do they just show up and do their thing? Do you have to deal with them on a on a match day at all? I kind of leave them to it. I think. It's uh, just making that initial connection with them and then letting them crack on. But it's just on that side, the, the local businesses and arts organisations have, in the last couple of years, have really got involved. So there's a, a, a arts group called Wood Street Walls, who are the local to Walthamstow. And they, I don't think there's a single blank surface in Walthamstow they haven't painted now. But they, they do just um, street art, basically. But they came down to our ground a few months ago and did a, a William Morris print all over our the back of our stands because William Morris is from Walthamstow. So it's it's things like that that they're just giving up a bit of their time to support us, but it, it's making a huge difference. It's, it's so good to see it. Just to finish off, communications is also your day job. Um, is it a career that you'd recommend to young people in 2021? Uh, yeah, I think so. I enjoy it. I really enjoy it. So I work for a housing association in the day and it's, it's very, it's varied. So I'll be doing what I do is that websites one day, magazines another day, a video the day after. So it's, yeah, it's really varied and it keeps me on my toes and it's something I'm always learning as well. So I find that what I do in a day job sometimes helps me out on the football side of things and, and the other way around as well. What is it that makes you a top-notch graphic design communications professional? <laughs> no one's ever said that before. <laughs> they said, where'd you get him? But I, I think 
being able to do a lot of different things to an okay standard has that's been useful. Seventy percent and out the door. Yeah. <laughs> Finally, back to the football club. What are Walthamstow's ambitions for the next three, four, five years? It's, I think a lot of it is consolidation. Um, we've had chairman come in. You know, I want to be in the football league in ten years, and that's that's just not us. We, I, I never see us as a football league club, nor do I ever want us to be. But I think the the level we're at at the moment is probably a division below where we feel we ought to be. Um, we got relegated now about five or six seasons ago, um, and it's taken us a good few years to to recover from that. But I think a, a promotion or two over the next four or five years is is what we're aiming for. That's on the footballing side. We we want to continue to be a part of the community to keep building on those relationships we've got um, keep supporting people and hope in turn they come and support us well Andre it's been a real pleasure thank you for talking to us thank you where can we find you where can we find the club on social media uh, we're at Walthamstow FC on just about everything uh, and I am at Tweet Perkins on Twitter if you've enjoyed meeting Andre you'll like our other episodes too don't forget to subscribe to the show if you haven't already leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts Humans of Non-League is a Sphinx Football production. Thank you for listening.